Hey, this is Joshua Soloway. Thanks for tuning in to Tell Me More. If you've never heard of what a B Corporation is, this podcast is for you. I think you need to know what it means for a company to be a B Corporation. And I'm going to sit down with with Kevin Christopher, who started a B Corporation law firm. Forgive me in advance for how many times I say B Corporation. And he's going to do a fantastic job of explaining how does one become a B Corporation and why are they different and how do they impact their employees, the their communities, the environment? How are they structured? How are they protected legally to make sure they keep the mission first, not money? It's a really incredible conversation, and uh, we appreciate you listening. So thanks for tuning in to Tell Me More. Kevin, thanks for being here. Um, Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you drove in last night, stayed at a hotel, and that was far too generous of you. So I just want to shout out you giving us uh, a lot of your time. And um, before we get into what B Corporations are, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about you. Give us like a 30-second overview. Who's Kevin? Yeah, the family okay, man. 30 seconds. This is my pitch, right? Here, so here I work with entrepreneurs all the time. This is what I got to do. There you go. All right. So uh, married, love of my life, three kids, homeschooling those kids. So life's an adventure every day. I live in Cookville, um, which is about an hour uh, east of Nashville. A lot of people may not know much about Cookville, except it has a lot of billboards. Moved there from the Bay Area, where I launched my career in uh, technology law. Before that, uh, grew up in Nashville, so kind of getting back to uh, my old roots here. Very good. Well, so glad you're here. And you know, we talked before this about what B Corporations are and how this conversation came about. I was sitting down with Matt Hindley, the manager of the storefront at Patagonia right. in Nashville, and he was talking about I guess to sum it up, I, I feel pretty ignorant, but ethical ways of doing business is maybe the way I would paraphrase it. And how companies like Patagonia, uh, Jenny's Ice Cream in Nashville, best ice cream ever, uh, Nisolo, they make, I don't know a lot about Nisolo, I just know they're like, they make a lot of cool things like nice looking shoes. And apparently you're wearing Nisolos right I'm now. I'm wearing some Nisolos right now. Yeah. I'm looking very cool thanks to my Nisolos. You, you are looking very cool. Appreciate and, that. But but basically, all I know is these are businesses that exist to benefit all the parties involved. And when Matt was mentioning it, mm-hmm. I, I began like I just I was very intrigued. Okay, what are B corporations, and how have I never heard about these, and what does that even mean? And so I would love for you to to help me and help our listeners understand what is a B corporation uh, in general, um, what makes them different than other businesses, corporations. Help the people that that don't know how this stuff works. What is it? Can you help us understand? Yeah, sure. So Patagonia is a great example because a lot of us think of Patagonia as you know making good gear, outdoor products. But I think a lot of people also think of Patagonia as a as a good company, right? So Von Schoenard, the founder, wrote the book, uh, Let My People Go Surfing. You know, they sort of have a reputation for just being very environmentally conscious, just having really good uh, employment policies. You know, they get they get a thousand applications for every single job opening that they have. I mean, they they are a, a very well respected company. And so, you know, how do they become that way, right? So, uh, essentially, some of some of you know what we attribute to Patagonia can be boiled down to its sort of framework for how it operates, and that gets back to its B Corp nature. And Patagonia was one of the leading companies behind development of the B Corp certification. It's really, it's a certification. It's sort of like a trust mark is what I call it. It's kind of like LEED is for a green building. It's kind of like fair trade is for ethically sourced goods. 
the B Corp stamp, you might see it on a product label, uh, on a website. It basically means that a company has gone through this pretty lengthy assessment review for how it operates according to how does it treat its employees, uh, what kind of policies does it have for its workforce, how does it treat the environment, you know, what are the supply chains like, you know, how does it operate, maybe it's buildings, what kind of standards does it have in place for energy use, consumption, how, how does it engage with the community, right? So is the, is the company, is it, is it giving to nonprofits, is it providing uh, in-kind tr- contributions, is it providing pro bono work and service, and then is it profitable? So that's, that's the other big thing is a lot of these sort of concepts are sort of like nonprofity concepts, right? But the, the, at the end of the day, you also have to be a profitable company. So how can you do all these things and still produce returns to your shareholders, produce returns to your founders? Uh, how can we show that in the world you can have companies that can be the sort of tagline is good corporate citizens? So tell me about the what's like the legalese behind becoming a B corporation. I'm assuming you don't just say, "Hey, look at us! Like we care for our community. Give us that B on our label, so everyone can know we're amazing." Like, what do you have to do to be a B corporation? What do you have to sign? I mean, I don't even know. Do you have to sign right, anything? Right. Do you have to type? Documents, you know, what documents are there? So the B Corp process is you basically go through a pretty lengthy assessment, almost like an audit of your business. Okay, you know how you're running your business. Show us, show us your policies. Show us some financial data. You know, show us how you're actually doing this stuff. But there's a there's a holistic framework for questions that you answer, interviews that you have with the nonprofit B Lab. B Lab is who provides the B Corp certification. Okay. So you basically reach out to B Lab and say, "Hey, I want to be recognized as a B Corp. What do I have to do?" And they say, "Hey, great. Welcome to the family. Here's this assessment that you have to go through, and we're going to dig into. We're going to open up the hood and dig into your company and see whether you meet all of these standards that we've developed over time. And if you do, congratulations, you get to represent yourself as a B Corp." Okay. And how often, in my head, it'd be easy maybe to start out as a B corporation, how often do they have to like revisit? Are you still living into the terms, I guess, required to maintain that B corporation label? Yeah. So once you're certified, every two years, you have to be recertified. So basically, you go back to B lab and they, you go through that process again, make sure you're still operating that way. If you've changed them, maybe your score improves, uh, maybe you, you lose some points. You basically have to meet a threshold of a scoring system to get the B Corp certification. How, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like pretty thorough and aggressive, how thorough are these assessments? I guess we live in a world where it's like, you know, we're like, I remember when the word organic started being on food and it meant a lot. And now that word means absolutely nothing because we've learned like, oh, you can kind of slap that word on anything, whether it's organic or not. So yeah. in the B Corporation world, how thorough is that yeah, assessment? This conversation is very organic. I like it. It is. Um, let's stay away from the word aggressive. This is important because that's one of the things I talk about when I'm talking about B Corp is there may be a perception that it's really difficult. It's really costly. You know, I don't want to disclose certain information about my business. And so I'm, I'm actually glad you said that because I want to address that. You know, it's, it is an involved process, but I would not call it aggressive. So you take an assessment, you volunteer the information uh, based on what you know about your company, and then they will follow up asking for you to demonstrate. You know, some, some, some of the questions they may say, okay, well, show us a statement from your accountant proving that you give this much to charity. Show us your policies that you claim that you have for your workforce. 
if you have set some goals, show us some documentation around those goals. So it's something that you need to prepare for. If you start out wanting to become a B Corp, let's say you, you're, you're a founder, you launch your company and you say, I want this company to be a B Corp. It's much easier in the long run because you're operating your company in this way. You already know, hey, here's the general framework. These are the standards. These are the goals I'm going to put in place early on. And so over time, you're just really recertifying. You're just kind of going through the process of checking in and and doing the assessment again, but you're already operating. If, if, you, if you're trying to pivot, you know, you've been on operation for three or four years and now you want to, you want to be certified, it's a little harder because you haven't been operating in a way that you need to in order to meet the certification standards. So it can be a little bit more cumbersome. That's why when you see really large consumer product companies uh, like Danon, the, the yogurt company, they've said, hey, we're going to become a B Corp, but it's going to take us about 10 years. And wow. and so okay. it's really, you know, we're, we're it's like we're driving a giant cruise ship, right? And so we need to pivot and steer it in this other direction, but it's going to take some time. So, you know, depending on how big your business is, how complicated your business is, it might take some time to uh, obtain that certification if you've already been operating for a while. Okay. And I want to get a little more specific about why B, B corporations are awesome. You've given us a like a 60,000 foot view, but specifically, okay, I'm, I'm wanting to start some company and I want to be a B corporation. What are some of the things that are, I guess, required of B corporations that mm-hmm. are awesome? So um, it, it kind of all goes back to stakeholders recognizing that you have more stakeholders than just your investors. And so B Corp grew out of this legal movement called Benefit Corporation. Uh, and that, that's what the B stands for. Yeah, that's I what just the learned B that right for. here. Yeah. Benefit. Okay. Benefit, awesome. right. And so it has its roots in in this sort of legal evolution, right? But let's put that aside for a second. Some of the awesome things you're demonstrating that you're not just making money for your investors. You're operating your business in a way that hopefully can make a positive impact on the world around you. You know, where the government, maybe your gaps in government, gaps in the faith community, gaps in the nonprofit sector. We have an opportunity through business to produce some good in the world. And so the best way to do that, according to B Lab and the B Corp certification, is through prioritizing your workforce in a way that produces happy and stable workers empowered workers. Stop right there. So yeah. so what's an example of that? What do, what do you mean? How, how do you make your workers happy? Yeah. So one thing is ensuring that all your workers are paid uh, a living wage, right? And so one, another, another example might be that there's not some crazy, you know, 500 to one gap between your executive salary and your frontline worker salary. Okay. Uh, transparency, transparency to your, your workforce. Involvement in the company, right? So I, as an employee of this company, I understand what the financials of the, are of the company. I understand how I can be empowered through the company, understand where my place is. I understand that um, I have good maternity leave policies or maybe even paternity leave policies. I can use some paid time off to go volunteer at my church or local school or, you know, food bank, whatever, right? So all these things are, are, are good, empowering policies for your company that allow your workers to to just go out and serve or produce or or just stay committed to your company. And on the the legal side, I guess, or the certification side, I guess what's is any of that required? Like what's required of how you treat 
your employees to get this certification? This is um think about it as like an examination, right? So you're going to go through maybe 200 questions of the operations of your company. And so you may answer in a certain way on some of these questions and they're scoring according to how you answer those questions. And so at the end of the day, you want to get at least 85 points in order to get the certification. So Understood. some of these things like our business certainly does not hit the highest marks on all of these questions, but you want to score enough. You have enough of these policies or you meet enough of these check boxes to where B Lab considers you, okay, yeah, you're operating as what we would call a B Corp. Okay, gotcha. So we, we talked about the the employees, you right? Can, and then I interrupted you and, and dug yeah, yeah. a little deeper, but keep going. Yeah. So workforce in, uh, environment, right? So if you're, let's say, you produce products, well, do you know where your products are coming from? What does the supply chain look like? Are you sourcing goods from places that are maybe using slave labor? Do your vendors have ESG goals? You know, what what does it look like in terms of what's, how what's you, ESG? Basically, environmental and sustainability goals. Awesome. So are you operating your facilities in a way that measures the the energy efficiency, the waste that you use? So there are lots of different ways that your company can operate in a way that impacts the environment. And then there can be you know community factors. How involved is your business in, in the surrounding community, in the greater community? And then your governance. Hold right? on, let me so, jump back. Let's jump back to yeah. community because I'm really intrigued by this. Yeah. So just keep going, I guess. Go deeper on community involvement. I'm aware of like Patagonia. They invest in nonprofits around them. They help inform other companies how to be more sustainable. But in general, what do you mean by community involvement? Yeah, so let me give you an example. So our business as a B Corp, in the category of environment, we score pretty low. And that is because a lot of our services that we offer are based upon our, our raw goods are like technology, right? So databases, and things that we can't really get from, we can't get them locally. We can't get them from companies that have, you know, demonstrated environmental commitments, right? So like Bloomberg or Crunchbase or PitchBook, I mean, these things are, they're just, they're national subscription databases. So we can't score very high on environment. We lease our office spaces. We don't own the buildings. So some of these questions might be geared towards companies who are, are manufacturing things, producing things. They have a little bit more control over their environment than we do. But where we score high is in community because we do have a lot more control over community. So some of the things that we might do in terms of community is providing a lot of pro bono services, educating the community on, on, on B Corp and uh, benefit corporations, providing uh, service opportunities for our employees. Having we have a commitment of giving ten percent of our revenue and ten percent of our time to environmental and social impact nonprofits. So these are things where we we have a lot of control over trying to make sure that we're engaged in our community. Patagonia obviously is like a standard bearer on that. Even the first event that we had for for our B Tennessee initiative was at the Patagonia Nashville store. So they're always offering parts of their facilities for community meetups, community initiatives. That's one aspect. That's one of the questions actually on the B Corp assessment is, are you providing your facilities to the community for community events? That's a perfect example of an aspect of engaging with the community. Incredible. So, all right, let's, let me back up. So, all right, to be a B Corporation, you take yep. an assessment that gauges how you're treating your employees, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed 
it seems like employees have a little bit more buy-in at a B corporation, right. which is cool. How you're impacting the environment, how you're impacting your community. And then I believe you're about to talk about governance. governance. Yeah. That's right. So governance. So how how is your company structured, right? So that it operates in a in a fair and transparent way. So having advisory boards, for instance, what is the incentive for your board of directors? What kind of legal protections do you have for your company so that investors can't come in and totally disrupt whatever you're doing? So this actually goes back to the legal genesis of B Corp. Can I talk about that now? Oh, please do. Yeah. uh, When we talked about this earlier, this fascinated me. This ties into this governance component really well. And it's, it's basically the story of B Corp. So for about 30 years from the 70s to the early 2000s, corporate law in the U.S. evolved in a way towards shareholders. Basically, the, the maxim of corporate law became shareholder primacy, which means greatest return to shareholders above all else. So court cases, statutes, they, they all gear towards this, this sort of requirement, kind of, a, kind of a mandate for corporations that you have to operate in a way that produces maximum return to your shareholders, right? So above all else, your company exists to make your shareholders a lot of money. That's it. You know, that's the, that's the single most important requirement for a corporation. So, I, could, I could see how that could prove problematic. Right. And so you see a lot of uh, byproducts of that. So the, the gap between your CEO pay and your, your lowest paid worker went from in the 70s, it was like 50 to one to like over 500 to one. You know, companies started acting uh, on, the, on the basis of near term decision making so that their quarterly reports showed profits every quarter. Right. And so instead of investing in sort of long term stability, long term growth, it was all about how can we operate to, to produce these quarterly returns in, in the most, in the glossiest way possible? And I'm assuming the pressure to prove financial growth every quarter would lead to some pretty unethical practices. Because it's right. really, no matter what it costs, we have to prove that we are growing. Exactly, exactly. And so a lot of negative aspects of this, this sort of shareholder primacy doctrine in corporate law. So that was a really cool phrase, shareholder. What would you say? Shareholder primacy. And and then what you say? Yeah, so Doctrine. Uh, yeah, oh, that, that was, was like all legal jargon. Right? I love stuff like um, that. So I don't know what it means. I just like how it sounds. <laughs> yeah. So shareholder primacy. So you've got all these corporations, right? And they start they start becoming bad actors in the U.S. because we've basically enabled them to do that. We've empowered them to act this way, and that's that's what um, uh, you know the hedge funds, the pension funds, the venture capitalists, all these groups that are investing in corporations that are scaling and growing a lot. That's what they want, right? So they're dominating how corporations are acting in the U.S. So in the early 2000s, there was this pushback, and it was led by you know, various leaders in the industry. But essentially, the, the idea of a benefit corporation arose, which was, hey, let's create some sort of framework where if a company acts in a certain way, if it's established in a certain way, then it has some protections from its shareholders. So under normal sort of corporate law, your shareholders, the people who you know hold the stock in your company, they can sue your executives, they can sue your board of directors for not producing the maximum return, for making certain decisions that they consider to not be in the best interest of the corporation. So the benefit corporation structure is a way that company executives, company directors can be shielded from 
what we call derivative suits in more legal jargon for making decisions that are sort of maybe mission-oriented, that are aligned with this idea of good corporate citizenship. So I like to throw Warby Parker out there a lot. I don't know anybody at Warby Parker. I just like to use them, right? Warby Parker, Tom's, you know, some of these companies that became well-known for this one-to-one model, right? So we sell one product of goods in the U.S., and then we give one away to some developing community. So let's say you're the founder of Warby Parker. And you're like, hey, you know, we're, we want to develop this mission-oriented company. We have this, we want to make designer glasses, right? But we also want to give a pair of our glasses away for everyone that we sell. So you're you're humming along, you're you're going well. But with any consumer product company in the U.S., you're going to get to a point where you need a lot of investment. You need a lot of capital in order to grow those supply chains, those marketing divisions, you know, all these aspects of your business. You got to grow, so you need some money to grow, and so you need to go find investors. And so your investors say, hey, cool, yeah, look, here, here's some money. Go grow, scale. This is awesome. We're glad to be a part of it. At some point, those investors say, hey, you know, we're humming along. Like, our glasses are in vogue. Everybody loves our glasses. It's sort of the go-to thing now. It's one-to-one thing. That was cute in the beginning, right? So that was really kumbaya. I love that. Hey, but now, like, it's kind of costly. We don't, you know, now everybody goes to us for the style, and everybody knows this, we're a household name. We don't need to do this one-to-one stuff anymore. So we're actually going to stop that. And then you as the founder is like, no, we're not. I mean, this was a core aspect of our business, right? So like this was our kind of mission-oriented thing. Shareholders said, mm, yeah, sorry, but the law says I can require that you stop that because it's cutting into our profits. Okay, wow. So you're going to stop that right now. And so that's essentially the what we have in corporate America. But the benefit corporation structure provide some protections against that. If you are a benefit corporation, you're recognized under whatever state law you're under that, hey, these shareholders can't do this as long as you operate in this way. So there's a structure where you have to basically identify what is your benefit, how are you achieving that. Uh, You have to be transparent about some of that. And if you do all of those things, then you're protected. And so that is the sort of the governance aspect of it. Is do you have that governance structure in place to help prevent, even if you're a B Corp, that could still happen if you don't have the legal protections in place. Okay, I love it. And now I want to talk about something that, look, I know you're a lawyer, you're super smart. Um, frankly, I'm intimidated. But I want to try to talk about something that's a little confusing. So let's oversimplify it for me and our listeners. There is a difference between B Corp which is what I refer to as that third party that you know gives you the assessment and you get your mm-hmm. certification, you get the, the, right. the cute little label on your whatever you're selling, yeah. and legally being a benefit corporation, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay, help help us understand yeah. that it, distinction. It, it, so that was a kind way of saying you talk nerdy. No, you're smart. Yeah, yeah, no. So like, there, there's a- there's, I see you. I love you. <laughs> there's a difference between B Corp and benefit corporation, right? So, so a benefit corporation, here's the danger. You're going to get some confusion in the marketplace. You're already getting confusion in the marketplace. B Corp is this really robust thing. If somebody's a B Corp, some companies a B Corp, they've gone through this really rigid structure. They all go We're not talking the same legally process. here. We're yeah, talking right, about right, 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 okay. right. The, the business part. They've gone through this big process. It's all the same for everybody, right? So everybody gets the same assessment. These companies score an indicator. If it, so we all we all understand that process, and it's it's a it's a it's a valid, rigid set process. Okay. The benefit corporation stuff. First of all, it's state by state. 
And so the first states that started adopting benefit corporation statutes, and, and when I'm talking about benefit corporation, it's this is a legal structure just like LLC, okay, just like C Corp, just like S Corp. So when you want to start your company in a state, you set it up under one of these structures. You know, a limited liability company, an LLC is more, it's usually more like small businesses, closely held, you know, maybe family owned, something like that, best buds kind of thing. Whereas a corporation is, is, is usually a, a bigger structure, has investors in it, right? So this benefit corporation is just one of these. And so your state has to have a statutory framework for you to launch as a benefit corporation. Okay. And I'm assuming that since it's state by state, my guess is there's different standards maybe? That's right. That's okay. right. And so um, so the, the standards for the, the sort of early adopters, maybe you want to call them, the Delaware, the Maryland's, mid-Atlantic states, northeastern states, they have pretty robust statutes. Like their benefit corporation statutes kind of look similar to a B Corp assessment, right? So okay. you, you have to have just, just lots of, there are lots of different requirements, lots of different boxes you have to check for how you're operating your company. The southern states, got to knock on our southern friends, the southern states that are just now adopting these benefit corporation statutes, they're super watered down. All right. So Georgia's goes into effect this month. Tennessee's been around for a couple of years. But it's like they all kind of got together in a room and they were like, hey, that benefit corporation thing, that was that's kind of fun. Let's do that. But we got to change it. Right. So in Georgia, for instance, they theirs goes into effect this month, and it's it's really like it's a social purpose statute. They call it benefit corporation. When you go through the statute, I've done some analysis for some different groups on this. When you go through the statute, you could start your company, and you could say, "Hey, what we care about is we care about high school football." Every Friday night, all our employees are going to get together. Are you getting gonna, an accent right now? I am getting an accent. I got to get into <laughs> character here. We got to we're going to have a chili cook off. You know, we're going to raise some money for our local team, right? And so they are that's they can operate that way as a benefit corporation in Georgia and they get the stamp like hey congratulations you're a benefit corporation but they don't get the B corp that's assessment certification right. okay. so where the confusion comes in is for B corp assessment it's a long process you okay. have to disclose lots of information right you get audited for the benefit corporation stuff you could just day 1 i register this way i could even do it online I register this way. I'm a benefit corporation. So if you're going to go out and market yourself, your company as we're a Georgia public benefit corporation, some consumers may confuse the two. Oh, sure. this is that B Corp thing that I've heard about, right? So, oh, this company, they're doing some real cool stuff. They're a B Corp, when in fact, they're not doing anything at all close to what the B Corp certification is designed to encourage. So there can be some confusion, and we're already seeing some come out of that. And so I want to make sure that that's clear that there's sort of a difference between the legal aspect of just benefit corporation okay. and sort of the business certification of B Corp. And for those that are just need the simple and easy answer, yeah. if you want to put that little symbol yep. on your product, that comes only from the B Corp assessment, not the legal that's benefit correct. corporation that's side, correct. right? Okay, so if you see the label, accent, you're safe? That's correct, yes. We're, okay, so if you see the, the B with, what is it, underline a little circle? Right. All right, if you see that label, yep. listeners, you are safe. That's that right. has been you're B Corp safe. certified. Yeah, They're like legit. a warm blanket, yeah. Yeah, I keep going back to just just the trauma we all went through with that word organic. They got slapped <laughs> on food and we felt safe and then we read yeah. some scary article. So that's great. Okay, I want to transition to what you do specifically 
at Rockridge Venture Law. And so you guys are a B Corp. That's right. Yeah, you've been through the assess- the, the the legit, yep. not just legally, but the B Corp assessment, yep. blah, blah, blah. And so unfair assumption that I think has been thrown on to lawyers. You guys are just greedy Blood sucking money makers, vain. Yeah, um, you're you're super smart. Ugh, like which that part's super arrogant. True. Yeah, <laughs> use really awesome words yeah. that I love but don't understand. Anyway, tell me how how does B Corp and a law firm come together and become the same one and the same? How did you dream this up? Where did this come from? So the the B Corp certification for us. It really is important. We we want to operate as a firm that we're proud of. You know, lawyers do get lots of bad reps. And honestly, when you look at, you know, most lawyers, it's like their lives are kind of miserable. I, that's an overstatement, right? But so there are many lawyers out there. They don't even like what they do. That's the stereotype. That is yeah. the stereotype. They don't like what they do. They work all the time. They never see their families. And it's it's a tough business. And And I wanted to create an environment where our lawyers and our staff, they like what they do, right? So they feel good about what they do. And the B Corp model is has been a good way to do that. And, and by virtue of that, the talent that we were able to attract, it's a little bit surreal, the types of people I've been able to bring onto this team, having launched from like a 70-square-foot windowless storage space in Cookville uh, when I relocated from California three years ago. And it's because people just want to identify with that. They want to work for a company that, that's that's doing good in the world, they can feel good about. And so that's the that's something that's unique about us. We are the only B Corp law firm in Tennessee. I think there will be others. I maybe misstated that. I think that there was another one that just joined last month. Awesome. So you're going to see more companies who are who are choosing to adopt this model. And so we're really proud of what we've done. I want to revisit sort of the categories we touched on for, for B Corps. You talked about the employees, the environment, the community, mm-hmm. the governance. So hit me with those categories for Rockridge Venture Law. Like yeah. what, how does that impact your employees, the community, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, yeah. So um, how about environment? So uh, environment's really important to me. Part of my background is after college, I went abroad, spent about a year in China, super, super polluted, came back, worked for Habitat for Humanity for a year, got really into environmental justice, right? So I, I wanted I wanted something in my life to have some positive impact on the environment. I got to grow up in the States. You know, we're surrounded by a lot of protected places. We have strong regulations. Other parts of the world, they don't, they don't have that. And even within the U.S., some communities are disadvantaged compared to other communities. So that was that was something that was, I guess, part of my legal DNA. I wanted to, to do something in that space ultimately. My path went towards renewable energy technology coming out of law school instead of the environment, but now it's sort of come full circle. So we are primarily intellectual property and technology law lawyers, but we can do things for the environment through the business. So okay. for instance, we've we've adopted some rivers in partnership with Living Lands and Waters. So we'll go out and we'll organize cleanups in some local waterways. We've partnered with the American Alpine Club on their climate change research grant program. We have bikes in the office that we encourage our employees to use. We use green power for our office spaces. So we pay into sort of the green power program to try and offset some of our uh, energy usage we recycle. So there are different things that we do for that sort of environment category. So maybe it's paying in or providing some in-kind services to nonprofits, or maybe it's something we do on our own. 
but that's sort of the environment aspect of what we do. Very cool. And then talk about the, you talked about, you touched on this a little bit with the lawyers loving what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, How does a law firm that is a B Corp, how does that impact the the lawyer's lifestyle and and what they do and, and family life and all of that? I'd say one thing is the nature of our business, intellectual property law, entrepreneurship law, we're working a lot with people who are building things instead of trying to tear each other down, right? So we're not we're not working in divorce law or we're not working in, you know, some of these areas of law where there's just, you know, a lot of baggage that you as the attorney can kind of take home to sure. your personal life. And so that's one thing that we, we're able to avoid that, mm-hmm. right? So that's, you know, one nice thing for for our team. But when it comes to you know, kind of what we've set in place to try and, and encourage this sort of lifestyle, right? We have we have attorneys who've come from the big coastal firms, you know, from New York, from D.C. area, who would bill 3,000 hours a year, which means, you know, when you translate that to billable versus non-billable time, it's, it's basically like regular 80-hour work weeks. You know, where they, we have one attorney on our team who basically, when his daughter was born, he was like expected to be at the office that day, right? So we don't want to impose these standards on our team. We don't have to. There's no reason to do that. You know, a lot of times the way law firms are structured, it's the young associates who have to work all the freaking time so that the partners can make a lot of money off their work and spend all their time golfing. And that's the reality of it. You know, the the message is, oh, you have to work this much to understand and appreciate the law. That's total BS. The reality is it's so that the people on top can make all the money abusing the people at the bottom. Mm, okay. And it's where it's, it's it's how a lot of firms operate. And so we we don't see any need for that. The people, you know, at the top in our group are basically the same people who are at the bottom. You know, we're all in it together, we're all part of a team. And so there there's no incentive for us to force, you know, someone to work all the time, carry all the load so that so that we can have all the benefit from it. And you guys, you, you touched on this a little bit, but you said you are specializing basically in intellectual technology. What are you doing? What right. do you all so, do? So intellectual do? property and technology law. So so I, intellectual property IP, that's the copyright, patent, trademark stuff. You know, when you're protecting some core asset, maybe it's an intangible property, right? So, you know, your musicians, we're here in this beautiful studio. Some musicians generate lots of intellectual property in the copyright space, when they brand their their groups, there's a lot of, you know, trade, uh, Taylor Swift has like 300 trademarks, right? So there's a lot of copyright trademark work to that. When you're inventing something, there's a lot of patent protection that goes into that. So we deal a lot in that space. But as a B Corp, this is what's been kind of cool recently is as a B Corp, we've started to work with a lot of other B Corps around the country or companies that are identify as social enterprises that want to become B Corps. So we have this really cool blend of sort of sort of technology practice and then also this social enterprise practice where we just get to work with really cool mission-oriented founders who are just super positive people. They're trying to do some positive things in the world, and we get to be a part of that. So it's a really fun place to work. Amazing. And just as we kind of conclude this conversation, sum up what got you into B corporations, like what in your life led to you wanting to be a B corporation? It's really about giving back. So I have kind of a, uh, everybody's got a personal history, right? And so mine, I, uh, mom was an immigrant, 
dad uh, was ex-military, PTSD, ended up homeless. Neither of them graduated high school. So I grew up in some some rough areas in Nashville that now look like nice areas, but they used to look like rough areas. But I, I had a lot of mentors in my life who came in and, and helped steer me towards something productive, some place where I could I could grow up, I could get a college education, I could go on to graduate school, I could marry, have this wonderful family, have all this just amazing blessing in my life, right? But it took a lot of people stepping into my life to help me get to that point. And so my whole philosophy is based on giving back. You know, if you've received blessing, give it back. Mm. And business is one of the ways you could do that. I used to not think that. I used to think that businesses could be so corrupt and so evil. And so if you wanted to have a positive impact in the world, you had to go out and you had to really be missional. You had to work for some sort of foundation or nonprofit or church and and in my opinion on that has changed. And I really believe that you can run your business in a way that gives back and does strengthen your community. And so that's what I've been blessed to do. So that that is my inspiration for the B Corp framework. That's so cool. Well, Kevin, I can't thank you enough for being here. Yeah. And you know, before we sat down and talked for however long we've been talking, all we had was a 30-minute Google video chat, and I never would have guessed it would have led to me being able to actually hear so much more from you. And so thanks for what you're doing, and thanks for helping us understand what I think is super important. I, I want people to know way more about both the legal side of, of a benefit corporation and also that, that third what are they called? Is it B Corp? Is that what they're called? The That's organization right. that does the assessment? B Lab. B Lab. Yeah, yeah. B Lab. <laughs> it's a lot of B. It's a lot of B. <laughs> um, um, and one B that it definitely is is a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Hopefully, you stopped listening before that moment. And uh, so, anyway, thank you, Kevin Christopher. You're incredible. If we want to learn more about you and Rockridge Venture Law, That's where right. do we go? So rockridgelaw.com. That's our site. We have some social media handles. I have no what they, no idea what they are. Also, btennessee.com, that's the initiative that we started with Nisolo, Whiteboard, Newly, some of the other B Corps in Tennessee. And so we'll have an event coming to a hopefully not so virtual room near you in the near future. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Kevin. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks much.